I'm Bill Schaefer, along with Mark Middleton, and this is a special Active Aging Week presented by Humana podcast series of Growing Boulder. You know, this is the 20th anniversary of Active Aging Week. It started back in 2003 by the International Council on Active Aging. Yeah, you know, one of the reasons I really like this is it's a week-long program that is really hyper-local. It's in individual cities and towns all over the country, but it's celebrated globally, and it highlights the positive aspects of aging, and it shares the keys that can help us all live happier and healthier lives. And we're going to talk to some true global thought leaders, some health experts, some Olympic champions, and of course, some ordinary people who, no matter their age, their abilities, their opportunities, or their challenges, have all found their own way to live with passion and purpose and possibility. This is great stuff. And today, we get our special Active Aging Week presented by Humana podcast series underway with a renowned psychologist and gerontologist who says that we have entered a whole new age of aging and has some surprising research to back it up. Our guest today is Dr. Ken Dykewald, a psychologist, gerontologist, and the founder and CEO of AgeWave. But you know, folks, I just call him the man because for more than 40 years, he has identified the most significant trends in aging. And he's really predicted with uncanny accuracy how a rapidly aging demographic would impact all aspects of our culture. He is arguably the number one thought leader in the world when it comes to the business, social, healthcare, financial, workforce, cultural implications, you name it, of our aging society. Uh, you know, both the opportunities and the challenges. He's the author of nearly 20 books, including his latest, Radical Curiosity, My Life on the Age Wave, and his company, Age Wave, has recently released a landmark study uh, that has pivotal insights on the changing views on longevity and aging in all areas of our life, but it mostly focuses on health, retirement, and purpose. So lots to talk about with Dr. Ken Dykwald as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Active Aging Week. Uh, Ken, you've been a busy guy, haven't you? Well, yeah, there's a lot to do, a lot going on. It's great to see you, Mark. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for your time. And, and you know, one of the, the broad stroke takeaways, uh, if you will, from the age wave study is is that old really isn't what it used to be. Uh, I mean, so what is it? What, what does old mean these days? Well, you know, last year, my wife and I went to see Top Gun. And whether you like Tom Cruise or not, he was 59 when he shot that film. We went back and looked at uh, how old Wilford Brimley was when he shot Cocoon. And he was 49. And it came out when he was 50. So he was a little old man at 50. Tom Cruise, still pretty vital, youthful guy at 60. So something's going on here. And, you know, as we look around today, it's it's not just one person here or somebody at the gym who seems pretty fit at 70. You know, there's Harrison Ford doing Indiana Jones at 81. And there's Martha Stewart being on the cover of Sports Illustrated in her 80s. And, you know, Betty White kind of blew everybody away when they realized well, here she was at 99, still beautiful, kind of funny, making the most of her life. And so what's shifting is the way we think of old. And I think in our grandparents' time, in our study, The New Age of Aging, 
we asked people, how old was old in your grandparents' time? And then people were very clear. They said 60. And then we said, how old is old today? And they said 80s and beyond. And so aging is being moved back uh, in our lives as we're seeing more longevity and more youthfulness. And frankly, uh, a greater desire to keep reinventing oneself across the lifeline. You, you've been talking, writing, lecturing about all of this for, for four decades now. Is there anything that surprised you in this study, or is it really just more validation of what you have seen through the lens of your research for years? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm uh, 73 now, but I got interested in the aging subject when I was 24. So this is 49 years for me. I would say uh, up until this last year or so, you know, you'd see uh, kind of a fluke, you know, George Foreman going back into the ring at 50. How crazy is that? John Glenn going back up to space at 77. Uh, how wild was that? Uh, so there would be an example here and there. But what seems to be happening now is that the whole cultural perspective is shifting. And so sort of the biggest surprise for me is just how broad spread these feelings are. To see in our study that 71% of people over 65 today now say that the best time in their life is not behind them. It's either now or in front of me kind of blew my mind. We also asked people, what's more important, being youthful or useful? And 83% said useful. So people are beginning to think about purpose in new and different ways. And again, when you see numbers like 83% and then 97% of the older population said that they had learned, and maybe they'd learned off their own mom and dad, good example or bad example, that remaining curious, remaining active, continuing to learn, continuing to try new things, even reinventing yourself keeps you alive. So a big surprise for me is just how broad spread these perspectives are now. A concern I had on the flip side was that we're still pretty ageist. We still tend to think in marketing and advertising that we ought to focus on youth. We don't do a very good job of matching our health spans to our lifespans. That was very concerning for me. When we saw in our study, in the New Age of Aging study, that we spend more per capita on health than any country in the world, but we're only 40th with regard to longevity, and we're 68th with regard to healthy longevity, meaning how many years we stay healthy throughout our lives. And, and that's pretty disappointing. I mean, that's concerning to me. So we clearly need to reshape our approach to health to create a healthier version of longevity. We even asked a crazy question. We asked people if you could somehow have a magical elixir or magical pill that would give you 50 extra healthy years of life. Would you take it? And overwhelmingly, people said yes. But they don't want to live long lives if they're hurting, if they're suffering, if they're a burden on others, or if they've lost their brain health. You know, it is interesting because, I mean, you mentioned the celebrities, and they're certainly the influencers in that we see them. But but as you see all the time, and we at Growing Boulder do stories on all the time, there are these ordinary people that are living these extraordinary lives, which kind of takes away the excuse that many people can have to say, oh, it's not for me. But you mention a pill, and I, and I think that might be a good 
segue to talk a little more about Active Aging Week because without our active participation, at least I believe, and I'm anxious to see what you think, without our active participation, it's going to be very difficult to extend our health span. You know, we've got to get out there, you know, and get moving. We've got to lean into life, which is kind of the message for Active Aging Week. And just to follow up on that, Ken, it it is, it's, it's exciting, but it's kind of like a tale of two cities. I mean, when it comes to aging, this is the best of times. And, and for some people, it is the worst of times. And, you know, somehow we, we got to close that gap, don't we? Yeah, and you're you're completely right. You know, when you're 20 or 25 or 30, you can sort of get by not exercising and eating an unhealthy diet and not sleeping very much. And, you know, you feel you feel pretty good. But if you're going to live 60 or 70 or 80 or 100 years, man, you got to take really good care of yourself. There's a whole lot of effort required to exercise regularly. It's really important to eat a non-inflammatory, healthy diet, cut down on fats to, uh, you know, for example, my wife and I have not eaten meat for over 40 years. It's also important to practice some kind of mindfulness or meditation to take stress levels down. We live in kind of a crazy world right now and stress can get jacked up. So take care, great care of your body, regular exercise, healthy diet, managing stress. And I know this sounds kind of crazy, but a lot of studies have shown that quality of relationships, the people you love and who love you back, actually can make you feel better and actually can have you live longer, healthier. So there has become a science of healthy aging, a science of gerontology. And I coined the phrase healthy aging back in 1990. So I sort of watched that idea of not just letting yourself fall apart, but doing the work in a sense to create a healthy version of yourself. And the importance of that as we age, just multiply. And as you said, it's not only the people in the senior games, and it's not only that fit gal at the gym that you see working out on the treadmill. More and more people are kind of waking up to the realization that we not only need a healthcare system that's more skewed towards creating healthy longevity for everyone, not just the billionaires, but we've also got our part to play in living long and living well. And the power of purpose, Ken, uh, the importance of purpose is underscored both in your study and reflected in your book. In fact, you got a whole chapter about you reconsidering your success, your failure, and your purpose. How important is purpose as we age? I think it's really, really, really important, Mark, and it gets left out a lot. And let me first clarify, one of the books I wrote was just on purpose. What I learned was is that purpose means different things to different people. For some people, purpose is faith, and I respect that. Um, You know, purpose-driven life is a faith-driven life. For other people, purpose means, you know, doing good, altruism. And for other people, purpose means just doing whatever you personally like to do. Uh, and finding that. I've been troubled by the fact that over the last decade, the average American retiree, and we've got 70 million such people, the average American retiree watches 47 hours of television a week and only 25% volunteer at all. And it would seem that we have created a version of retirement that is devoid of purpose for many people. And you don't have to be rich to volunteer at the church, and you don't have to be a millionaire to reinvent yourself or to go back to school at a community college and learn something new. And I'm more and more convinced that we're going to have to build purpose 
into our definition of longevity and maturity because it's not just about being fit and it's not just about saving enough so that you can live independently if you wish, but it's also about who do you want to be as a person? You know, I was taken a few years ago, David Brooks, the columnist and the commentator, he was giving a talk and he said, at the end of your life, you're going to have two resumes. And I thought, huh, what does he mean? He says, first, you're going to have your career resume. You know, who were you? What did you do? How much money did you make? How big was your house? And he says, nobody's going to care about that. And then he says, you're going to have your eulogy resume. Who were you as a person? And that's the one that's going to matter. And then he wrote a book, Your Second Mountain, about reaching 60 or so and rethinking your purpose and trying to dream up a better version of yourself going forward. And we don't see that talked about much at all. We often just think of people as being, you know, more wrinkled versions of who they used to be. And there's truth to that. We are. But on the other hand, we're also a little deeper, a little wiser, a little more experienced, and maybe even better versions of ourselves. I was also fascinated to see in our new age of aging study that people feel the most freedom. You know, freedom is a very important dynamic and people feel the most freedom when they're older relative to any stage in their life. And there's also a soaring of happiness in one's later years, which is kind of a surprise. We've always thought about that. You know, we saw somebody in a commercial who was older and kind of fell down and couldn't get up or was a cranky uncle. And, you know, the idea that their older people may turn out to be in some ways the best among us, not all of them, but uh, there's a lot of them that are kind of thriving. And I think that knowing how to thrive and how to be the best version of yourself and having role models can be very helpful. I'll give you a, a silly example from my own personal life. I have a brother who's three years older than me. He's not married. He doesn't have any children. He's a wonderful guy. We're very close. We talk every day. He lives in Florida. He moved to Florida to caregive my parents when they were in their later years. And he was struggling psychologically with the sadness of, of their decline. Uh, and by, by the way, my mom and dad lived to have 71 years together. So I'm a kind of a lucky guy to have had parents live that long. But my dad became blind from his diabetes and my mom had Alzheimer's. So I've seen some of the terrors of illness in the later years. But I said to my brother, hey, Al, why don't you pick up the drums and play the drums again? Because he had played in high school. And he says, well, I was 50 years ago. I haven't had a drumsticks in my hands ever in all that time, half a century. So I got him some lessons. And he like he cried when he had his first lesson. He was so thrilled to have rediscovered something that he had just put aside. And then before he knew it, he had a band. And, you know, they're averaging about 100 gigs a year. And then to add a sweetness to the story, a few months ago, my brother's never sung. Uh, I said to him, Al, why don't, why don't I get you some singing lessons? And he says, I don't know if I could do that. I said, give it a try. And I spoke to him last night. He had just played a gig and he, he sung Elvis. He sung Blue Suede Shoes and everybody got up and cheered. And so here he is in his mid-70s reacquainting himself with things he put aside a long time ago, but also continuing to grow. And I think there's potential like that in so many of our lives. 
I love that story. And in fact, I read a, a study recently, Ken, it was not from AgeWave, but uh, another study that actually said, it was talking about muscle memory. And when we do things for the first time in decades that we used to do, the orchestrated movements are stored in a file in our brain. But not only are the actual physical movements stored in that same file, if you will, but the feelings and the emotions that we experience when we did it are stored there as well. So your, your brother's example is a perfect one. And well, let me just say something. You know, we talk about active aging. And if you're 20 or 25, you might just think, oh, that just means you're, you're busy. But we know that the International Council on Active Aging and Colin Milner and the good folks at Humana and your team at Growing Boulder and my group at AgeWave, we know that active aging is more than just being active. It's about trying new things. It's about being of help to others. It's about being mindful about the future so that younger generations can get an opportunity to live well in their longer lives. By the way, it's also about taking really excellent care of yourself and working well with the medical system so that you can live those extra years with vitality, with vigor, and with the ability to do the kinds of things that might be possible. Folks, we're talking with Ken Dykewald, who in my estimation is the world's number one influencer and thought leader on the changing culture of aging, which has you know something great for all of us inside of it. But, uh, you know, it's something we have to work for. Ken, wrap it up for us. You wrote your book. You did your study. You're living your life. What's the takeaway? And has, has the Ken Dykewald takeaway changed throughout life? Is there something different today that you feel about, uh, you know, the main lesson to learn in life different today than, than it was 20 or 30 years ago? I think I've doubled down. I think, uh, you know, in our studies, and in what I was learning when I was gathering my stories, there seemed to be four or five, oh, I don't know if I'd call them tricks, but there seemed to be four or five things that people who live long and live well practice. Number one, they take great care of their personal health. You can't just disregard it and keep your fingers crossed. You, you, you try your best. Now, things can happen that are unappealing, that are unpleasant, but the rates of those go down if you take great care of yourself. Second, you want to make sure you've got purpose. And if you had one major purpose during your career when you were raising your kids, you got to spend a little time crafting new purpose. Third, quality of relationships. You know, it's a corny thing, and I talk about it in Radical Curiosity, but I have remarried my wife uh, every year in a different location with a different religion. We've had 40 such weddings so far. Wow. So quality of relationships and keeping them nourished. Four, you got to be willing to make some changes. You know, life throws curveballs and cannonballs and all sorts of windfalls come along, and you got to be willing to be a little bit flexible if you're going to live a long life. And last, you got to make sure you have managed your finances and have taken seriously all along the way how you're going to pay for things because there's a lot of correlation between having financial security and having the freedom to do the kinds of things you may want to do. Great tips from Ken Dykewald. Ken, you inspire all of us, and I have to tell you, you make some of us look bad also. I'm going to hear from my wife after, uh, after all that. Well, you, what an honor and a privilege to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Active Aging Week w with a guy who not only lives it himself, but, but helps the rest of us find our 
place inside of it. As Ken mentioned, active aging is for everybody. It's really just about leaning into life. It's about not being afraid. It's about, you know, taking the right kind of risk. It's about understanding that this too shall pass. So let's get out there and and get going. Ken Dykewald, what an honor. Thank you so much. Good to talk with you, Mark. Be well. Kind of easy to tell I got a lot of respect for Dr. Dykewald, Bill. You know, we talk a lot about the wisdom of elders, and Dykewald is certainly embracing that role. There are so many more out there like him, though. Other active agers who have something important to share. They've got a voice that they want to use. And that's what Active Aging Week presented by Humana is really all about. It's an important reminder to all of us that the lifestyle choices that we all make on a daily basis don't just add years to our life, but really more importantly, they add life to our years. And like you say, Mark, this applies to every single one of us. So folks, join us all week as we celebrate active aging and share the International Council on Active Aging's Seven Dimensions of Wellness with videos, articles, more podcasts like this, and a complimentary downloadable workbook that's full of great resources to help you get started to a happier and healthier future. For more information, ActiveAgingWeek.com and HumanaNeighborhoodCenter.com.